This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Ben Raphael, co-founder of Stake Something. It's an app designed to help people achieve their goals using the concept of staking. Ben shares his story in life that has led to consolidating his personal, professional and academic insights to introduce the idea of staking to motivate and hold people accountable for taking necessary actions designed to help that person succeed. So what is staking and how can it benefit people's health? What do people stake? Do they lie about it or hold true on it? We discuss the behavioural economics of loss aversion and present bias, as well as the neuroscience of taking action that led to building a customer experience where individuals and their coaches or healthcare providers can define goals, design the actions to take, and hold the individual accountable. With healthcare often confronted by commitment or adherence challenges with patients, what could we learn from Ben's thinking and vision here? Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Ben. How are you doing today? Very well. Thanks, Yanni. Coming from the lockdown capital of the world. Thanks very much. The world record lockdown capital of the world. Yep, I share your accolade there, my friend. Thanks for coming along today. You're doing some really interesting stuff that draws on a variety of skills and science and capabilities which I'm itching to have that discussion with you around stake something and what it's all about. But just to get us a little bit of background, Ben, tell us a little bit about who you are and what kind of it brings you to the point of starting up at this point in your life. I had a poor upbringing and I was son to an artist and we had travelled around. I mean, it was very rich in terms of I travelled through Europe and lived in a boat for a while, but it was always kind of this broken, this insecurity thing. And I really needed to kind of create some security for myself. And I did. And I got to a point where I achieved some success in a real estate agency, a property development company and some things early on. And I decided to, I retired kind of thing. And then I asked what's next for me. And I got into coaching. So basically, I guess summarize it's, I got to a point, then I became, how am I about others? And I got into coaching and through coaching, you know, I get really interested in people's performance and them having what they want in their life. And that brings us to to where I am now. That idea of helping people or understanding what people want to achieve in their life, you're saying that that was something that really resonated with you through the coaching experience. That's pretty common. I think a lot of coaches, mm. a lot of mentors, not just in healthcare or health tech, but just broadly tend to have that kind of, there's some kind of personal overcoming of challenges that mm. then and perhaps that support in your own life and then sort of feeling as though you need to do something about that. Is that something that resonates with you in your journey? Yeah, look, for me, it's a clear moment and I've never discussed it before. It's a clear moment on an aeroplane looking out a window and I just went, I'm cooked. I've done a great deal. I have raced enough cars. I've sailed enough yachts. I have done enough for me. And the question is like, well, what's next? I am one of those really fortunate people that got to ask what's next for me. 
my juice comes from contributing to others and seeing the world be a better place. And it's where my challenge now lies and it's what gets me up in the morning, if that answers your question. That aspiration to help other people, is that kind of the one of the foundational themes in starting up the Stake Something startup that you're currently embarking on? Is that sort of at the heart of what Stake Something is about? Absolutely. It comes from, again, this privileged place of saying, what will I do next? What will I create next? The idea was how this began is me and my co-founder buddy, Brett, we began to discuss trying to find a way of ranking some coaches. Like how could we create a system that tells people who's a good coach and who isn't kind of thing. And part of it was we looked at the idea of staking and then we kind of followed it through and then just discovered more, read more, saw that the Nobel Prizes had been won with this kind of stuff when actually let's pivot purely into staking. So essentially staking is putting something at stake to get a result you want. And the best way to explain it is with an example. Say I want to run three times a week and I'm not quite getting around to it. I'm maybe procrastinating or it's something that I don't really do. Say I put some money at stake, doesn't have to be, but say I put $50 at stake that I'm going to run three times per week. If I run the three times this week, great. I get the results I want. I start to get fit and it costs me nothing. The app costs nothing. The whole thing's free. If I don't run three times a week, so I don't do what I said, we take, stake something, takes the $50 and gives it to charity. So stake something, the idea of it is that each of us maybe won't be as motivated to achieve a goal unless we have something at stake. Is that the idea? The idea is anything that you want, anything that causes results, whether it be learn a language, lose weight, make sales calls, whatever it might be, is going to take some actions. And you're probably not already taking those actions or else you'd have the result. So it requires a bit of a change. It requires it becoming a new habit or new action. The idea is how do we make sure we take those actions that we're probably challenged by a little bit because we're not already doing it. Is the idea of staking something, the fear of losing that, that then supports the drive and determination to complete the stated goals? It's the risk of losing that. It invokes the concept of loss aversion. If, say, you give a monkey one banana, he's absolutely happy. You give him two bananas and take one away, he's not happy about it. He's got a one annoyed monkey. The idea is by introducing a risk, it taps into the survival centres of the brain. Don't tend to forget. And this is bad language. You don't forget if you don't take this action today, for example, I sometimes like to eat too much ice cream at night. If I've got 50 bucks riding on it, I can't forget that if I have this ice cream, I'm going to lose $50. It suddenly takes it out of the unconscious, brings it into the conscious. And you've got a real choice rather than just staying in the habit that you were in the past. And yet loss aversion or creating a risk is what triggers that mechanism. Tell me about the moment where you had that insight, does this come about through research or were you sort of observing this through your coaching career or perhaps even in your own business life? Where did the moment to come up with that sense of, hey, there's a startup opportunity here? 
it came through research, through understanding it on a conceptual level. Like we will discuss this now and you and other people will kind of understand the concept of it. But the real time you get it, not just intellectually, there's a getting of it, is when you put something at stake. The first time for me was when I was didn't want to go for a walk on the oval before I was able to run. I thought I couldn't ever run again, except that I started to stake going down there and trying. And the first it was 100 metres and now I can run 5K. For me, it was like, wow, I have now got momentum. I don't want to end this. But it was created through what I call a hack. I hacked my own behavior. Instead of staying in the habit that I was in, I was able to add more weight to another emotion. So we're kind of run by emotion. I overvalue the present. We all do. We tend to overvalue the present. So I'd love to lay in rather than go for my run in the mornings. And at the time in the morning, I value that. Even if I'm really committed to this future version of myself and I've done all that work, what I want to be at the time, when I'm laying in, I value that more than getting up into the cold. But by introducing this risk, I've upped the emotional quotient or whatever you want to call it, the emotional trigger of that suddenly there's a risk if I will lose something if I don't get in and get out and go, go for my run. I've heard that in the behavioral sciences, the idea that we overvalue the present as compared to the future. How does the model bring that relationship? Are you saying that there's a dollar value that increased the value of the future result because we don't want to lose that value today? I want to say it's not just money. The funniest one I heard the other day, you could stake giving your remote to your partner or something like that, right? But money seems to work best. We seem to have hardwired it into our standing in the community, our ability to procreate or freedom, and it seems to be we value it quite a lot. If we are putting money at stake, it activates this idea of we confuse it with our survival. There's a thing we don't want to lose money, and all of our survival mechanisms are really strong. We're really weak at relating to a future version of ourselves, like Brain scans show that if you create a future version of yourself, the same areas of the brain light up as if you're thinking of a complete stranger. So there's not a real pull into that future. There's a good commitment in the neurocortex. We know we want to do that. We know we want that to occur. But in the habit, the way that we currently exist, there's no real pull for that. If you've got something at stake, there's this kind of absolute reminder. There's this absolute thing. And so the question is, do you want it? 80% of the time people do this, they get the result they want, or they are effective at taking the actions 80% of the time. That's a pretty good result. I think a lot of us can relate to the idea of having something at stake and how motivating that is. Probably some of the more obvious ones are things like car loans and mortgages or rent, very substantial to preserving the current state. What I like about where you're going with stake something is that kind of idea of finding pathways where individuals can work with another person to articulate a goal and make a commitment towards it that in a way they're saying if I don't do this then I'm prepared to sacrifice something in the process and they're completely empowered to control the outcome but it's constantly on their mind in a sense to get there And the reason I'm sort of phrasing it this way is I kind of think about a lot of feedback I hear about in the healthcare community around patient adherence, 
retention to commitment with therapy that's being put forward. We see statistically anyway, a lot of people drop out early in terms of the prescribed set of activities or the therapy framework that's in place. And to some extent, from a health tech standpoint, whether it's a clinical system or digital health framework, there's always some attempts there to develop analytics and feedback systems to be able to report on these things. But actually getting to the nub of it, like what is the behavior that needs to be influenced? How can we tap into the behavior? That's something we don't really hear as much about. It Mm -hmm. sort of seems that people will either show up to the appointment or they won't. If they stop therapy early, what can we do besides doing a follow-up call or something along those lines? But you can't force anybody to sort of move forward. So ultimately the responsibility is in the client or patient's hand to find that drive and determination to keep moving forward and get to the goal Mm. and kind of tick the box on those various steps that need to be taken. And so I see a really strong mapping or correlation with the way you've designed the Stake Something startup and the system to be able to leverage that idea and possibly even the platform within healthcare to some extent to help people connect with that, what was it, loss aversion. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps that could be another layer of assistance or support that person can take from within, find that sort of internal motivation above and beyond being directed by a healthcare professional. What are your thoughts on that? Two things. Firstly, you said whatever you said at the beginning reminds me that this has been around for a long time. By just declaring you're going to do something to your friend, to your father, to a circle, you actually now have something at stake. Actually, you've got your word at stake or how they're going to view you at stake. So this has been around for a long time. So the idea is to formalise it and it becomes a clear thing. You can't deviate from it. You can't have a moment of inspiration one moment where you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that, and then suddenly morph it into, oh, maybe not today because I don't feel like there's a real structure there. And the second thing is I can think of my example around the sticking to a program when you were speaking before the healthcare. I had my ankle reconstructed. I had reconstruction surgery and I was following a physio program. I got to a point where I got sufficient mobility, like, and I got there very fast. I did everything very well that I was told. And I was, you know, you're doing the program super well. And once I got to a place where I can walk well enough, I kind of said, that's it. And I didn't complete the entire program. Now, if there had have been something holding me to that program, then I reckon I would have finished it. It's just, it's a question of, you know, I honored my internal thoughts, my internal self-talk about I'm done. Truth is I wasn't. And now I've got just a little bit less mobility than what I could have had. So yes, I think it can be used on any program that requires people taking some actions that are definable and that people want the outcome. It's only for themselves. Yeah, I think that permeates pretty much every facet of life. It's one thing to want something. It's another thing to actually modify the behaviours within oneself to become that success or become that future version, as you say. Maybe because it's such a widespread kind of issue, it might be part of the human condition to default to the current state and stay within that realm. It's hard to sort of push out of it. But what intrigues me about what you're doing with Stake Something is the underpinning from the behavioral sciences, the learnings that have happened over the years and kind of working through how to actually apply that as an incentive framework 
I'm kind of aware of behavioral science to an extent, certainly not an expert, but when it comes to designing interfaces and designing user experiences and customer experiences, we draw on some of those behavioral sciences, whether we're conscious of it or not. And what I mean by that is some of the tools and some of the industrial internet components that a lot of uh, developers have access to, they also have behavioral science underpinning the way that they've been designed. Because ultimately, it's about human interaction, it's about human interface. And so we have to study the humans in order to get the best outcome in terms of what is a good Mm. user experience. But extending it out into either coaching or kind of a form of coaching, I guess, would be the relationship between health professionals and their clients is really intriguing and interesting. Tell me about, I guess, a little bit more. You sort of described earlier, Stake Something is about, literally as it's titled, it's about putting something at stake. You're saying it's not necessarily about money or that seems to be the more universal thing to stake. But, you know, like you say, people could stake something that's not money but certainly feel Mm. some level of risk if they didn't achieve the outcome they're looking for that they would forego what's at stake. So that's kind of the mechanics of it and you're sort of saying that if you take the step, if you achieve the goal, then you don't lose anything. But if you Mm -hmm. don't, then you will lose something, but it's not necessarily a loss to the world. What happens is the money then goes off into a charity and is redistributed. So the individual will lose that what's at stake, but then it goes off into charity. So talk to me about the idea of redistributing the staked item that's been foregone Mm. into the charity community. Why did you do that? I seem to have landed at a place where people either get what they want and perform well, or we get to contribute to causes in the world. In full disclosure, there is one that's an anti-charity, and that actually goes to two rich guys that don't need the money. And the reason we thought we had to include that is that some people aren't sufficiently motivated by the fear of loss to a good cause. So we've had it like, you know, if I don't go for a run today, does that mean a child in Africa gets to eat? Great. I'm not going for a run today. You know, like there's this thing where the feedback came. We didn't have it to begin with. The feedback came that way. We also looked at what anti-charities to send this money to. And I pledged to a politician that's not well liked. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but I, <laughs> I remember thinking if I lose this, I'm going to have to start a blind trust to put money in it to send it to his re-election campaign because I don't ever want a channel going there. But I was actually even more motivated to take those actions. And some people are a bit more that way. So there is one and we can't say who those guys are. And there's a bit of fun around that of losing to a cause. I will never send money to, for example, the NRA or the Ku Klux Klan, that just, it's never going to happen that we would send them any money as a disincentive to people. That is a funny kind of example there where there's somebody you really dislike in the political field and you thought that would be a sufficient motivation for you to actually achieve your goal. Otherwise, Completely. you would have to fund that person in part. Yeah, for a 50 buck pledge, it was going to cost me like, I think it was $1,500 to just give it to him because it wasn't <laughs> coming from my bank account to his. Uh, that is hilarious. And what do you call that, an anti- We call it an anti-charity. I don't know where the term came from, but the idea is it's not a charity, so it's an anti, and and there's there's only one. And it's a bit of fun for those people that need that extra bit of juice. Well, let's talk about the experience on the application. So people come to your website, presumably, and sign up and download an application and start interacting with it. Is that generally the idea? Yeah, so you just go to Google Play or the App Store and download the app. We're refining it all the time, but pretty... Very quickly, you just press the little plus button and you start your own stake. As I said, it can be 
any area of life. For me, they're all about my health, really, because it's around the foundation that creates the health for me. It's like it's how I eat and sleeping and meditating. And if I find that I can't slide off into this, oh, I've done it enough. There's a rigid thing there every week where I've got to answer it. And the stakes are done weekly as well. So we say that each week you do it however many times you want per week, but there's a weekly thing. We feel it's good people begin and end it on each week. Try and put our listeners into the experience. So somebody comes to the website and you're saying they're downloading the application. What happens in the application? Is it sort of profile and then sort of setting up goals and then sort of attributing some kind of stake to it? Can you walk us through the user experience? Basically, it looks like this. I've got my three games, where am I, here? And there might be, don't work past 9pm for me on some days a week. I stretch, I meditate. That's how long they've got to go before I have to report. There's a button here where you just start a new one. There's a little discovery section if you want to know some stuff. And you just click on the game itself and it'll be, don't work past 9pm. I do it six times a week. When does it begin? When does it end? No, that's the next report due and what's at stake for those things. So you just go through them. There's a number of, like we give you, there's, I don't know if you want to see them actually, but there's exercise, eat to plan, study, lose weight. And down the bottom, there's a custom one. So you can do it for whatever you like. So let me just describe that for the listeners, the ones who aren't seeing video of this. So the application, when you register, you've got in healthcare, we would call a goal framework, but you call it stakes. When you click on the stake, you're defining some kind of outcome that you're looking for, a goal. You enter the goal, you enter why you're doing this. Some of these are optional fields. Not everyone enters the why and the bigger vision kind of thing. We endeavor to capture it. And what you are actually putting at stake are the specific actions that will give you the result that you want. So if you're losing weight on a keto diet is that you will stick to a keto diet this week or I now do a 16-8 diet without needing to use to put it at stake at all because it's now become a habit. It's You've so easy. You've created a new do. habit. I can just look at yeah. I've just created a new habit. We say once it's in a habit, once you don't need it anymore. For me, it's just habitual. I just don't have breakfast and eat a bit later for lunch. I'm good. The thing that gets you the result is the action. And the action is what we're attaching to the risk of losing. And that is 80% effective. I think the biggest feedback or the biggest drawback that some people say is, am I introducing a new stressor or something like that into my life? And there's a strange thing of like, yes, but only if you want the result. What's the stress of never dealing with your health? What are the causes down the road of never changing the habit, which never deals with it? Or if you've always wanted to learn how to dance, it's all a bit of fun. Some people put a dollar at stake. We've had $600 at stake. So the onboarding experience is basically setting up a list, one or many things to stake on. And those stake, I see them as goals, basically. I I want to achieve this outcome. And these are the things that I need to do in order to achieve the outcome. And I'm prepared to stake a monetary amount. So it might be $20, $50, whatever the case is. And I'm consciously doing that and acknowledging that if I don't commit to this, and if I don't actually follow it through, then I'm agreeing essentially that that money can be taken and distributed to a charity that I've either selected or the system actually selects on my behalf. So that seems about as complicated as it gets. It's kind of a simple process. So how do we then determine if somebody's actually followed through with what they 
said they would do? It's an entire honor-based system. So you can't lose something. If you want to keep your money, you say, oh, I want to do this or I'll pay a million dollars and you don't want to pay the million dollars, just lie to begin with. We also, in the early days, are just changing our system now to asking people, they can actually get a refund if they feel something went wrong. Like it's not about keeping the money. It's about having people have this accountability tool. If people lie, they tend to self-exclude very quickly. There's no threat present, so therefore it's not of a tool. Having said that, most people that put something at stake that come in don't lie. And we were quite surprised at that. We really, you don't know this until you run a prototype for a while, which we did. People that seek us out or that are willing to use it, they're of a certain ilk where they're wanting the result. The ones that think I'm going to lie about this, they just don't download it. They don't get it. It's like, well, what is, why would you do that? I'll just lie to it. Why would you even download it if that's your attitude? Does that make sense? Like it's only people that are grounded in the result they want, whatever it may be. Weight loss is a really easy one to talk about because there's a big industry around it. If you could have a tool that's 80% effective at having you lose weight, why wouldn't you do it? People win 80% of the time, so they're taking the right actions. Occasionally they don't and they get a little sort of ontological kick up the backside. They get a little sting from it and they go, oh yeah, I'll I'll get on with it next week. And they're back on track. But it's only 20% of the time and it shouldn't be sheep stations. It should be enough. Whatever that figure is, that it's big enough that you care about it but not so big that you're willing to lie about it. Everyone's got a figure in there that for me, it's in that 50 to hundred bucks zone. If it's much less than that, I just stay in bed, that kind of thing. It's really intriguing. Interesting how you talk about that self-selector, you know, somebody who would see value in actually being able to subject themselves to staking in order to provide them that additional kind of incentive that perhaps they've self-identified something else is needed whatever they've tried up to Mm. a point in time hasn't been as successful so they're willing to give it a go and they're willing to do it in good faith and not necessarily sit there and say i'm just going to do this for no reason at all and and so there's no risk Mm. it's all an illusion it's like well no you're kind of missing the point here it's about helping you first but you know the underpinnings in the behavioral science would suggest that 80 percent of the time it will be effective you will have the incentive to see it through although 20% of the time, you're probably going to miss something. And your worst case is you lose that stake, but somebody else benefits from it. You use the term sting. I think that's kind of Mm. an interesting little choice because it's not dramatic or fatal unless you put your house on it. And that's not the objective here. But it's enough to sort of go, ouch, okay, I'm voluntarily subjecting myself to this. Consciously now I've had an impact. I'll incorporate that into the next step, into the next part Mm -hmm. of the stake. So be interesting to see how this plays itself out. With the actual platform itself, I noticed that, and I think I understand the reason, sorry, but I want to hear it from yourself. You're propagating a coaching community around the platform as well. Tell us about why you're doing that. We think it's a potentially great tool for coaches. If, say, someone, part of the coaching is a PT, the people that we're looking at are PTs, physios, dietitians, and Coaches, just life coaches. And the idea is if there's a program, if you're following a program, for example, part of it is that you do your 10,000 steps per day or something that you have to do, then the coach can really focus on a higher level coaching, you know, like what's next. And 
this app can take care of that the lesser bits the bits that are just you're trying to turn into a habit a coach potentially life coach could break and unpack some stuff with what's in your way and what's the little voice in your head saying but this bit can just keep you on track for what you're saying you're going to deliver and the coach gets to see there's a dashboard the coach gets to see how you're going or not and you can either come in through this coaching platform and the coach gets all that access or just yourself and we think potentially get momentum in some areas and then the coach gets their people with momentum. It's just, an, it's another tool, but it works. I hear myself being salesy and saying, oh, it works, you know, and I feel like saying, yeah, try it. The reason I'm a bit like that is because I've done a great deal of study and work on myself and all the rest of it to understand some of this stuff and to try to be mindful and mindfulness, it all works very well except that it takes a long time and a long effort to get to that point of understanding yourself and what resistance does you have and all of those sorts of things. And coaches are great at all of this, but this is just easier. Like you just put something at stake at the end of the week, you'll know if it's working for you or not. If it works, you don't have to do a great deal of work on yourself. You don't really have to understand the basal ganglia and the next action you take through and the difference between thinking in the neocortex and the emotions blah, 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 all and the charge that it carries and all the rest of it. You just wind up getting the result you want. I think that's value proposition, right? So for people mm-hmm. who are looking at finding ways to incentivize the achievement of goals in their personal lives, and haven't had much success to date or perhaps tried a lot of stuff and didn't quite get there, this could be a really good option for them to incorporate. And from a coaching standpoint, you're open to health professionals coming on board and taking that role. It's people who are downloading the app, do they have access to the coaching community as well? And are they able to actually see a directory of coaches or doesn't currently exist? Not yet. There's a number of things that are on the version two onwards. We're up to version 1.3 and it's 1.2 about to be 1.3. There's a lot that we want to do and how you interact with it and the user experience. It's going to keep progressing. You know, this is very early days. With that in mind, probably one final question for you, Ben, would be what is the vision? How do you see the world playing out with the concept of stake something in it over the next five to 10 years? Well, we think we can revolutionize raising money for charity. We think that people can get a lot more of what they want and we aim to be in the top 20 charitable organizations in the world. This is the first time that you can do something for yourself and when you don't do it, get the little sting by giving money to a charity that's being done on this level. And that's so we think it can be huge and that's what we're playing for. That's the vision for us. One of the things that we talk about is it doesn't matter where you are, there's always a what's next. So if you'd be willing to kind of work with me or have a conversation about what's next and then see what actions fall out that you could put at stake for you. As in me personally, or are you sort of putting it out there to the community? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm putting it out to the community, but trying to do it through you kind of thing. Like there's a thing that's been happening a little bit is that people love the idea and they love that it's there. And some of them come later But also there's this great, and this is why we call it an anti-procrastination app, is because there's this great way of saying, oh, God, that's a really good thing. I will use it one day, or I may not, (laughs) but if it's there, I will. And suddenly we're in this internal conversation for ourselves about, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't want to deal with my lack of fitness right now, or I don't want to deal with that I don't sleep well. And I haven't done this before, as you know, so just wonder if there's a way of, What's the goal? And therefore, let's break it down into the actions that you could take so the listeners can hear, all right, that's how you get there. 
I don't know whether it's common in startup or in the entrepreneurial space, but you become pretty adept at defining your goals and executing towards it. It was definitely, if it was a question put to me around 10 years ago, I would have had a lot of things that I would have been saying, this is not working as well, that's not working as well. But I think just to go through the process concept with you, I would say what I've been grappling with at the moment, particularly through the Health Tech X community, is that we have tremendous support and enthusiasm from innovative health tech people, potential founders of business opportunities coming out of the health professions, in part coming out of the technology sector, and subject matter experts, not unlike yourself, who are developing ideas that potentially could become products or could augment existing landscapes. And we've done a tremendous job at supporting them with resources. It's not as well known, but Health Tech X is a Activate partner with AWS. We have some recruiting relationships for offshore development resources that lower the cost of doing startups, things of that nature. But inevitably what's needed is kind of some light at the end of the tunnel for these prospective co-founders or what I call pro-founders who are willing to sacrifice. They're willing to withdraw themselves from the employment market. They're willing to commit to developing a product over a year or two, willing to test the commercial validation of it in the market, working with subsets of an addressable customer community. But what we're missing at the moment is an investor community that, let's say, optimised for backing some of these projects coming through. And this is actually an item in the backlog, so to speak, that the strategy around Health Tech X has been around building a community testing to see how many innovation collaborators exist. That seems there's more than I was expecting, and that presents a resource challenge, which I've addressed through cooperations and alliances. So the next step is when somebody's building a pre-startup product and it's showing merit and it's achieving the commercial validation criteria that we sort of apply to it, well, the next step is to launch it and having a fund with health tech investors behind it who would pre-approve an idea subject to that success, clearing a number of success gates, that's on the vision board and that's something that I'd like to achieve. What are the next actions you need to take to take that off the whiteboard, off the vision board and begin it being in reality? So I'd have to list a few things that I think would be necessary to make that happen. I think I'd have to have a realistic timeline to adjust commitments that I currently have to be able to put more time into developing the product of an investment fund, so to speak, Mm -hmm. so that it can be attractive proposition for prospective investors to come along and commit to it and get behind it. Mm -hmm. As a coach, by the way, I'd be very interested to keep teasing these actions and what they would be and then get them aligned. But just for the bigger picture of staking, you could potentially say, right, I need to spend some time on it. There's a bit of work to do on it. So you could say, right, and I don't know how much, you could say I want to spend an hour a week or two hours a week or three hours a week on this idea. And look, I don't know how full you are, right? I'm not proposing you, but this is sort of thing you could just say, okay, It's sitting there. It's not happening. It's important to me. I'm now going to put whatever you want at stake for doing that one hour a week. And then it will get moving. Do you know what I mean? Like there will be this thing where you either report you've done the hour or you haven't. And watch what happens. Begin to see that, oh, on a Friday afternoon, it'll be in the back of your brain. I'm going to lose 50 bucks if I don't go and do this now. And it just happens 80% of the time. 
What I just connected there with using this kind of an example process is that there was a term you used earlier around procrastination. Does that sort of suggest then that you're going to have a high chance of success with working with stake something if it's already really clear what you're procrastinating about? the things that you sort of know that you really want to do these now as opposed to something that you might be planning three to five years out or something along those lines. Because I think there's a distinction between having a plan such as a business plan that has a vision board and has a roadmap and you've already sort of sequenced some activities that you want to get to. But there may be things right now in your life. So perhaps the example I put forward is not as good an example, I guess. I know I want to do something now and I just keep putting it off. In all respects, if I just committed to it, I'm able to do this right yes. now as opposed to yes. I want to move into a brand new house. Well, you've got to build that. That takes time as opposed to I want to lose a kilo a week for the next 13 weeks. And I think we are targeting it to what you're saying. Being a startup, one of my jobs is to make sure that I don't limit myself through my view of it. But my view of it is very well summarized by you. What can you do now? What is it that's next for you in your development or in your life or whatever you're doing? And what can you begin? What are the actions you can begin taking now? Yes, it is very much about that. But I I do hear that I don't want to limit anything. As a coach, I don't want to be limiting for someone who says, okay, I'm going to build a house. I'm going to live in it in two years time. But this is the action I'm taking now. I'm going to start researching suburbs now. And I'm going to spend two hours a week doing that. Great. That's what they do for the action for the future. Fantastic. Very good. Well, I hope the listeners and viewers get a bit of a sense of how immediate they could get some results depending on the aspiration. But I think to your point there, it's even if it's a really big aspiration, as long as you're sort of breaking it down into the steps that are needed today, tomorrow and the next day in order to move you in that direction, the concept of staking something can really help some people getting that nudge of Mm self-motivation to move forward with that plan rather than just sitting on the idea. Well, Ben, thanks for coming along, mate, and sharing with us a really interesting approach at incentives. It's really voluntary and self-directed in a sense, even though you may be working with a coach or a health provider to achieve some goals. That really appeals to me as far as freedom of choice. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing the stake something idea. Looking forward to hearing how things progress going forward. Would love to. Thank you very much for having me on. I love your podcast. It's very good. I, I, you're warm and approachable and I really like chatting with you. Oh, I appreciate you saying that, mate. Thank you. I very much enjoy it. So I appreciate having you on. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode. 